Hello and good evening and welcome to another episode of Religions, Regimes and Refugees and their Multicultural Mess and Secular Scam. Thank you very much for joining me once again today. I really appreciate your presence and I'm really honoured. Uh, we're on the topic of history of Islam. We went to some different concepts on Islam. I can't go to everything with you, but the most I thought was important we went through. Uh, we're on the topic of concepts that Islam has plagiarized and say and says that well, you know, they invented it. They, they, uh, it was because of them that Islam is uh, the world is so great. And so we were on this topic, and I, I stopped it halfway last time, and I'm going to go through it. Again, today, there's uh, another five uh, points that I'd like to go through with you on concepts plagiarized by Islam. Okay, so they say surgical instruments in hospitals. Islam claims to have written the first medical encyclopedia, invented hospitals, and invented instruments. Medical instruments. False. Sorry, folks. Uh, what can I say? From where do illiterate people in the 7th century get to invent and write medical encyclopedias? It takes hundreds, if not thousands, of years to dwell up medical philosophies and knowledge. On the Indian subcontinent, Ayurveda, the ancient medicine of the Indian subcontinent and its surrounding regions, were taken by the Arab invaders and translated into Arabic. They were already in use and taught in our, in our universities for thousands of years before Arabs invaded. If they were not already written down, the Arabs would not have been able to translate Arabic. Indians were taken as slaves who were told that they would be given free man status uh, if they joined the Islamic group and become Muslims. As Muslims, they were given land, titles, and a high feudal status if their knowledge was translated into Arabic. So uh, this is the, besides the medical, me medicinal knowledge they received from China, Rome, the Greeks, the, Berber, uh, the Berbers, who would have had more knowledge than the unemployed feudal uh, youth of the Arabs. Hospitals already existed prior to Islam. Unfortunately, Islam doesn't like to go beyond their, uh, beyond 632 AD, except when it suits them. But uh, here it is, the history, very well in front of you. In ancient Greece, temples dedicated to the healer deity Asclepius, known as Asclepia, functions as centers of medicine, medical advice. Around 100 BCE, the Romans constructed uh, buildings uh, called Valetudinari. Sorry, I, I apologize. Uh, it, it's really tongue twisting. Valley. Udinaria, for the care of the six slaves, gladiators and soldiers. In the, on the Indian subcontinent, uh, Ayurvedic hospitals were in existence from the time of recorded history. On the subcontinent, ancient Indian medicine known as Ayurveda existed from 5000 BCE. In 437 BC, BCE, or, Ayur, or Sivasto Sala, uh, or Ayurvedic hospitals, all Ayurvedic hospitals existed even in modern-day Sri Lanka. Ruins of the same can be seen till today on the islands. Various kings of this region contributed to the advancement of hospital and medicine from King Ashoka to his descendants. Shushrata Samhita In the ancient Indian text of ancient Indian medicine, the compendium of Shushruta is one of the foundational texts of Ayurveda, Indian traditional medicine, along 
the Saraka Samhita, the Bela Samhita, and the medical portions of the Bowers manuscript. One of the earliest, uh, earliest surgeons on the subcontinent was a sage called Shushruta, said to have lived around one uh, 1200 BCE or to 600 BCE approximately. He is known as the founding father of surgery and surgical instruments on the subcontinent and uh, attributed to him and his medical practices. Again, this knowledge could have come from the Vedic age, but he is our earliest known user and practitioner of medicine. Uh, this knowledge was taken by the Arabs after the invasion of the subcontinent and translated into Arabic, eradicating the source, thereby making it an Arabic invention. So I'm sorry, fellows of, of Islam, but um, you plagiarize someone else's medicine. Uh, you didn't not invent it at all, neither did you make it better. Because Indians are still going all over the Middle East to, uh, um, to, uh, to be the doctor, who are the doctors and the lawyers and the medical practitioners all over. Um, you'll see Indians all about the place. And so it's a history that has not changed and will not change. Uh, until you recognize the fact, uh, Islam recognizes f the fact that they didn't invent anything. They they took it from someone else and they got to be grateful for it. So maps, Islam says, uh, they invented maps, which is false. The earliest maps have been found in Pavlov in the Czech Republic. They have been dated to 25,000 BCE. Maps were used in ancient Babylonia. The ancient Babylonian world map of 600 BCE is the oldest surviving map of the world. Greek scholars were known for their work in geography. Maps produced by Greek map makers such as Anaximander and Hecateus of Miletus and Polytomy used both observation by explorers and maps to pro produce their maps. Hecateus' geog geographical work was called Perodius Guess, or the journey around the world. Perodius Guess, G-E-S, was divided into two books, Europe and Asia. Anamaxis, sorry, Anaximenes of Miletus, Pythagoras of Samos, Scylus of Cariander, Herodotus of Halicarnassus, was some of the few Greek scholars who contributed to cartography. The Chinese civilization is known for its contribution to cartography. On the Indian subcontinent, charts have been used since ancient times for the purpose of navigation. In the great Indian epic of Mahabharata, a historical poem, the longest of its kind, there exists, map, there exists a map of the Indian subcontinent dating back to 600 BC. Thus, every civilization, including the natives of Americas, had a way of using charts, maps, astronomy, information from explorers um, and navigators to chart down territories. However, our dear religion of peace says that Islam was the first to introduce maps uh, and thus modern travel guides uh, were produced. Well, I, I'm sorry, but I think they're still smoking good pot. That's why um, our beloved Prime Minister of uh, Canada is, um, has got them on his uh, payroll or he's on their payroll, whatever you want, however you want to call it, uh, the payroll of the Muslim Brotherhood is controlling this country. But hey, what can I say? Birds of a feather flock together. Um, so the 10th point here, algebra, numbers, and zero. The most famous concept invented by Islam, false. While the word algebra is Arabic, 
the the concept is anything but Arabic. Neither is zero. We have already talked about. Uh, we, we will talk about this concept in in next chapters. To briefly say, rebranding math and numbers from another civilization is not an invention, but it's plagiarism. All of this maths numbers are from the Indian subcontinent. Sorry, fellows. Uh, there were no numbers in the earliest Qurans. If you look, the first hundred years doesn't have numbers. There are no numbers in the in the Bible, in the Old Testament, in the New Testament. All these numbers come from the Indian subcontinent. But they can't say it because they call us Kufar and Deen al-Batl and Najas and Shirk and Mushrik. So they have to they have to make up for this ignorance and for their plagiarism by pretending that they're victims and and they're victims of the big bad kufr that is the Indians and everyone's fascist, but it's a three fingers pointing back at them. But hey, we'll all come to the same uh, center at one point. So cleanliness. Islam considers it that it was the first civilization to invent the concept of cleanliness to humanity. I have no idea where to begin with this one, but laugh. So I'm sorry, but that one's a false one too. Islamic rituals of bath and wash were taken to Europe and the rest of the world as, as per their rhetoric. Washing yourself before Islamic prayer was yours truly. Islamic invention. Islam says that man, and especially European man, was considered unkempt. And thanks to Islam, Europe, was the pl world, Europe and the world is a clean place today. Sorry, folks. I don't smoke, uh, but uh, if some people smoke uh, in this world and then uh, wash their hands and go to pray afterwards, I mean, hey, what can I say? Islam also supposedly invented soap and oils, which was considered the foundation of modern shampoo. How does a Bedouin from the desert where there's no water invent cleanliness? Well, the concept of cleansing has been plagiarized by Islam like everything else. It's what happens when you have nothing to talk about and you need to fill that void to run your feudal agenda among ignorant people of the planet. Sorry about that. Ritual cleansing was practiced by Hebrews, Arabs, Christians, by the Vedic civilization and anyone on this planet who had water because we are made of water so we'll always be attracted to water. Uh, and so saying that only Islam invented cleanliness, I don't think so. You see, all the ancient cities of the world are based on near riverbanks, on riverbanks, because water is the most important source. We attract what a, a mirror image of who we are. This land, this planet is 70% water. Uh, I think more than that. Um, we are made up of 70% water. Uh, and so we're always we're always cleansing ourselves, uh, healing ourselves. Water is the best cleanser, the best healer. And 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 yeah, we you see all the big cities, all the small towns, always near a river source. Otherwise, they wouldn't survive. So who invented this this concept of Islam invented cleanliness? I don't know. Uh, Hebrews Hebrew people would purify themselves in the pool of Siloam prior to going to the holy temple of Jerusalem. It also comes from the ritual cleansing of the mikwes. Uh, Hebrew has a concept called mikwes. That's a ritual. It's a small bath. Every home used to have it and where natural rainwater would flow. And Hebrews had to clean themselves before going, uh, entering the home. 
or in, in regular uh, cycles. This predates from Vedic times when immersing yourself in water was a good conductor of energy before one goes to the temple to enhance your electromagnetic field. The temple was supposed to be built uh, on an electromagnetic fault line, which if you visited, would hand enhance your electromagnetic field because you, we are energy fields. However, this region changed due to the climatic and orbital swings of our planet. The people of this region dispersed and formed colonial religions. Now, Islam says it invented cleanliness. Let me say clearly that the planet is 4.6 billion years old. But all this time, civilization was impure until uh, yours truly Islam came along. Ouch, I don't think so. It is true that there were times in part of Europe where bathing was looked down upon. Uh, it does not mean this concept existed for everyone and from the dawn of time. This comes from Israelites who fled the destruction of the kingdom of Israel to Europe like their tribes did in Africa and India. Context, the Hebrews cannot work in on Sabbath. Okay, So the Hebrew people, they're not allowed to work on Sabbath at all. Now remember, Christians are Hebrews. Christians are not um, Christians are not a, a new religion. The people are the same. They may have started a political movement and ended up in Christianity, but they are still Hebrews at the bottom of it. And Hebrew, they never left their their traditions behind. They still kept their traditions even when they went to the new continent. They fled as refugees. Uh, and Hebrews cannot work on Sabbath at all. Okay? This means they cannot even have a bath too, simply because they needed to cut wood in order to heat the water. So they have to cut wood, they have to light the fire, which is considered work. And, and because it's considered work, uh, they're not allowed to do it, that means no bath. Even cutting wood and starting a fire, like I said, was considered work. Thus, they refrain from bathing on Saturdays. When they, assimilate, when they assimilated with other Europeans, they would have kept the old traditions, but more likely forgot where it originated from. This could have also gone on for several days instead of just the Sabbath. Uh, however, history says that all Europeans never bathed, and Islam says it was the first civilization to give them cleanliness. A glass of wine on to the Islamic ignorance, fellas, cheers to them. Soaps and oils already existed way before Islam, unfortunately. Soaps in natural form existed on the Indian subcontinent with whom the Arabs traded. The word soap comes from the Latin sapo, zosimos, the panolis, the 4th century Egypt, talks about soap making. Galen, another Greek physician and philosopher, described soap making in the second century AD. The Chinese civilization used soap. The earliest known soap making materials existed as far back as the Babylonian civilization in 2800 BCE and could be even before, but we've lost touch with history. So much so for Islamic fantasies. Sorry, fellas. I apologize, but this is a lot uh, that they consider themselves. Chess. Says in Islam says it's an uh, Islamic invention. False. Chess was invented by the Indian on the Indian subcontinent. Uh, it's a checkered game, board with squ 64 squares arranged in an 8 to 8 grid. 
no different from the grid used to build temples in the Taj Mahal, better known as the Badalgar Temple. It was taken by Arab invaders to Europe and rebranded as an Islamic civilization. This is similar to the games of snakes and ladders, which also originated on the Indian subcontinent. This is again played on a grid of 8 to 8, 10 to 10, or 12 to 12. So, no, chess was not invented by Islam, unfortunately. Chemistry. Islam says it was their invention. False. Chemistry existed in ancient times. It encompasses, as mentioned earlier, elements of metal metallurgy, philosophy, uh, astrology, astronomy, mythism and, mysticism and medicine. It was supposed to have started as a quest to turn metal to gold. As mentioned several times, gold is a good conductor of energy. In the ancient world where ancestors had the knowledge of electromagnetism and astronomy, maximizing this product for its dual energy and its materialistic value was an everlasting journey. Like everywhere in the world, chemistry was already researched by our ancestors and deep strides were made. Um, so I'm sorry, but chemistry in <laughs> existed way, way, way back before uh, Islam came along. Um, sorry to our Islamic friends. On the Indian subcontinent, it was called Rasayan Shastra. It's a derivative of the Ayurvedic knowledge. It is one of the eight schools of the Ayurvedas. It's a Sanskrit word meaning part or ayana uh, of essence. Um, oh, so rasa, rasa ayana shastra, uh, mean, meaning increasing or enhancing the life span. In Sanskrit, ayas also means metal. Uh, the Indian subcontinent was ahead of Europe in the field of alchemy, including the Roman Empire. It was known for chemical industries as dyeing, tanning, soap making, glass and cement of calcinations, distillation, sublimation, steaming, fixation, the product of light without heat, the mixing of anesthetic and sulfuric powders, the preparation of metallic salts, compounds and alloys. Again, the Arab invaders took this knowledge from the continent, among other knowledge, inherited to war and from Romans and Greeks, Chinese, to use it for their development. Nothing was invented by Islam but translated and reused by slaves who were converted and made part of the Islamic empire. The main goal of Islam was gold. Even today when one comes across Gulf Arabs, you will see the women covered with a lot of gold jewelry. In 1017 CE, the request of the Sultan Muhammad of Persia, the Islamic scholar Al-Burani, better known as Al-Burani, traveled to India. Um, to ancient India and le to learn about the Vedic civilization as well as to discuss with them questions of faith, science and literature and that formed the basis of their civilization. He remained in India for 13 years for exploration and study of the subcontinent and her heritage. He would go on to say that the science similar to alchemy, alchemy which is quite peculiar to them, um, they, they call it Rasayana, a word composing with Rasa, that is gold. Uh, the Islamic invaders wanted their precious metal. Learning about alchemy and the sciences was one way to get here. It was not, 
it was not about the actual science, if not their human capital, would not be among the poorest and the most archaic of the planet. It was all about gold for their establishment. They were also aware about ancient temples of India, Persia, the Roman Empire, the Byzantine Empire, where one would have found gold stored in the basements, in the temples of the sarcophagus, which they would have wanted to get their hands on. Hence the translations of ancient texts from empires they colonized. While they translated texts and were accessed only by a few of the feudal class and upper echelons of society, the masses were indoctrinated with religious rhetoric and kept in ignorance. They would receive only basic language skills in, Ara in Arabic, Persian, and the local requirement. Basic numbers and math. If the lower echelons of society were imparted with knowledge, they would never have submitted to the feudal lords and sultans and emirs. At the end of the day, it was about power to the few to control and subjugate the masses. To give you an idea of how it played out during the ancient times, empires would invade in alliance with some marginalized group on the ground. They would leave the local population as is. Then over time, they settled in. They would force the locals to sign or the imperial. Uh, they would force their locals to align to the imperial empire or make them take the oath as Muslims to become full-fledged citizens of the empire. If they did not convert, they would be made into slaves and used as foreign currency to, for trade, traded for goods, services, horses, women, and they would be put in harems, while the scholars and learned people of occupied lands would be given a second chance to have a life with Islam called freedom in the new empire with land and title deeds. All this provided they learned the language of the occupiers and translated their knowledge to the new rulers. Hence, to see, you see that many a Muslim scholar is in the first 300 to 400 years of Islam have, none, have, have no Islamic or Arabic origins. Uh, over time, Islam conveniently eroded the source of the knowledge, stamped their name on it, and promoted it as knowledge of their own inventions. They did not even do the translations. Most of it was done by the Berber, the Chinese, the Greeks, the Hindus. Since Arabs did not even do translations, they had no clue what the knowledge consisted of. They had no dialogue or debate, they, just to show an intelligence to their feudal class. Their masses below were not given the knowledge of upper class people. They were given enough knowledge to work their agenda, but not enough to, for them to rise up above the status quo and keep them subjugated. Today, modern Islam tries to equate Islamic ideology and theology and science together, but they have no clue what went back in ancient times. Nor have they any way to replicate this knowledge besides plagiarize it from, this, from their other people's ancestors. This is no different to the other empires of its time. Genghis Khan did the same when he inva invaded the Chinese. He took their scholars and gave them a second chance. If they translated their text and passed on their knowledge to his people, um, the Persians have done the same. The Persian empires also started off as a small tribal group, uh, some big ones on, on which the smaller tribes depended on. Among these tribes were the Pasargade, uh, Pas from among whom we 
you get the Achaemenid clan. Uh, the Achaemenid clan gives us the Persian kings, who also originated as nomadic people. They grew in stature and size, finally into the biggest empires of its time. The empire covered the Indian Indus Valley in the east, which was then occupied by Buddhist Hindu kingdoms. The knowledge and artwork of this region also all come from the Buddhist Hindu civilization, who themselves got their knowledge from the Vedic age, then became Persian. This Persian, went, this Persian empire went on to then become Islamic. And so all their knowledge was transferred to, to, per, to Islam, which they take the credit for it all. But they were not, their inventions were not Islamic, they were very Persian. Closer to our times, we have World War II. Two months after the defeat of Germany in World War II, uh, in May 1945, a very covert project was launched by the U.S. called Joint Intelligence Objective Agency, that's J-I-O-A, called Operation Paperclip. The operation rounded up German scientists and engineers, bleached their horrific war crimes, uh, crimes under the Nazi regime and employed them in the U.S. for armed American military, space and civilian programs. The scientists had translated and decoded ancient Indian Vedic texts, which talk about ancient Vimana aircraft, powerful technology used in the ancient world. Based on this decoded Vedic information invented for Hitler and for the U.S. from 1945 onwards, these technologies form the basis of the NASA space program, military aircraft, and modern civilian uh, advances that we take for granted today. All of it coming from the advances and innovations made by Germans. Basically, they continued what Nazi Germany did, except for the fact that they removed the swastikas on their innovations. On the Soviet side, the Soviets also recruited German scientists for the same reason under Operation Oso Viaklim. In one night, under gunpoint, they recruited 2,000 Nazi scientists and more were transferred to the Soviet Union to further their programs of space advances. One analyst on the History Channel said, it the best. This crap about the U.S. versus Soviet space program is a joke. It's all really a German program that drove the innovations or enhanced existing ones on both sides of the Pacific. Thus, what we consider as technology today is really an evolution of what Germans, Nazis, scientists have given us. The technology which originally, originally plagiarized in part, at least, from ancient Vedic text. Imagine the American public would have, who would have said if they were told back then that their lives were driven by technology invented by Nazi criminals and who took their not technology lessons from ancient Vedic texts. Then the public who were brainwashed with Christian Bedouin, we are the truth, the way, the life, would not be very happy. Do you think it would have gone down so well? Not just because of Nazis, but because of the fact that the Vedas are seen as the per per precursor to the Hindu philosophies of today. Hindus and, and their philosophies are not considered a religion, but a pagan cult with thousands of gods by Bedouin supremacist religions of the world and by their Marxist and communist Indians. So the source was very conveniently wiped out and a new label put on and here we go. Let's take a step back. 
the US and Russian ex-Soviet Union are both Christian countries. That's Bedouin ideologies. Look inside those Bedouin scriptures and you will see absolutely nothing. So how did they achieve those innovations? Well, through the ancient world and Vedic text. To put all above in perspective, this way of life was the product of its time. It was wrong, but they, that's how empires panned out as we speak today. It is the past. We can only learn from this knowledge in our history books. However, we need to tell the entire story and not cut off its source. Telling a lie that Islam came up with all these innovations and saved the world, when it is the world that saved Islam is not acceptable. I was watching an interview of um, on TV of the current Prime Minister, of now the ex-Prime Minister of Pakistan, Imran Khan. In an interview on 60 Minutes he did in 1984, where he was then a good-looking Pakistani playboy cricketer, living in England with a huge fan base back in his home country, the interview was about how he balances from being a Muslim from a conservative Islamic country with being a play, playboy surrounded by a bevy of Western women who always hung around him in England. The interview was long but very interesting. Back in the day, we all loved him, including myself. In India, Prime Minister or not, he is very well respected for his cricket accomplishments. However, one small part of the interview caught my attention and I just cringed. He says, here it is. Uh, culture here in Pakistan existed much before when people in England were still living in caves in the West. He was talking about how he copes with two diametrically opposite cultures. One Muslim from Pakistan and the other being the free Western culture in England. Somewhere in the interview, 60 minutes, he, um, he talked about his Pathan roots. Imran Khan is an ethnic Pashtun, meaning from a Pashtun tribe, more like a warrior class of people. Then he showed his real culture when he said the Pathans are the only race in South Asia who were never conquered. I mean, even the British never conquered us. I mean, that's what we say. I think that this man... You know, when I, la I looked, I, I listened to the interview, I was cringing. This man is Pakistan's, pri Pakistan's prime minister. He was good on the cricket field, but the Pathans were never a race. And yes, they were conquered by the Arabs, by the Mughals, um, by a variety of peoples. Uh, they themselves are descended from a whole mixture of people who passed through this land. Previously, this was a Buddhist Hindu religion, uh, region. They also belonged to the Persian Empire, and they were once the base of the Vedic civilization. So yes, they were conquered. This is just to show you how Islam teaches its people, that the West were living in caves, uh, including the English. They were ignorant, and we have culture and civilization. It's thanks to Islam that Europe has culture today. This is basis of their indoctrination, where they thought, to hate every white European on the surface of the planet. That is why one will hear very often comments from their ideological slaves calling Europeans white trash. Uh, Europe now calls this a religion of peace and anyone who disagrees is a hate preacher. Yet Imran Khan, children are in, 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 um, in, in, uh, in England, in, in the land that was caves. If, he, if it was a land of caves and they had no culture, how come, how come his children are living there? I mean, seriously, 
he would have brought his children to, to Pakistan and not vice versa, but hey, uh, I mean, if you, if you call Pakistan culture, then what can I say? Um, of course, this is the same ignorance one finds all over the Indian subcontinent, Arabia and Africa and a lot of Asia, which is why we're so archaic. Actually, I will take this opportunity to repeat myself. Islam has nothing to do with science. To, to begin with and to end with, everything one calls Islamic today is plagiarized from foreign civilizations. It, if it was not for non-Islamic knowledge translated by slaves who were colonized by the Arab empires, they would still be riding their camels in the desert. This was no golden age of Islam. It was the golden age for the slaves who did the hard work and were given only one chance, that is to submit to Islam and give us the knowledge and become a slave. To come back to Imran Khan, the culture of the land that is now Pakistan, was Vedic Hindu. Islam calls them kufr. He should not be using their credentials on the other side to promote his vested interest. Nor should he plagiarize their knowledge for Islamic agendas. I'm sorry, fellas, but what can I say? Uh, so we just got a couple more. Actually, 17 in all. Not much. We're almost towards the end. And we will continue with astrolobes. Islam says it invented astrolobes. False. Sorry. An astrolobe is an instrument used to measure angles of a slope, tilt, elevation, or depression with respect to gravity. No one is certain of no one is certain of the actual inventor, but credit is given to the Greeks, that is the Hellenistic civilization between 228 uh, and 5, 150 BCE. It can roughly translate it to star, uh, star taker uh, in Greek. So that's what astrolog means. Um, we see it used by Claudius Polytomy, a famous Greek astronomer who lived in the Roman Empire around the second century AD. A Byzantine philosopher, John Philophanes, wrote a treaty in 550 AD on the astrolog, uh, which, was, which is the earliest surviving treaty. It was followed by a Mesopotamian bishop, Servis Sebot, who also wrote a treaty in Syriac in the 7th century. They were later translated by the Islamic Empire and their astronomers. It was used by, the, by great extent by the Islamic Empire to find the Qibla, that is the direction of prayer towards Mecca to fix prayer timings. It's built upon design, adding, it built upon its design added angular scales to this to the design adding circles indicating azimuths on the horizon eighth century mathematician and astronomer muhammad al-fazari is the first person person credited with building the astronaut astrolope in the islamic world he was persian whose heritage was already well versed with astronomy and science way before islam came and took over and took along its empire Al-Fazari translated many scientific books into Arabic and Persian. Along with his father and Yaqub ibn uh, Tariq, who, he was instrumental in translating the 7th century Indian astronomical text of Brahma Gupta. Brahma Putta Siddhanta uh, into Arabic known as Az-Zij or Sini al-Arab or Sinhin one of the most prominent 
more prominent astronomers who work on the invention was Al-Batani, sometimes referred to as the Ptolemy of the Arabs. So again, astrolobes, as Islam um, says, was invented by, by them, was not. It existed way before, and a lot of their treaties are translated from Persians and uh, Vedic Hindus. But don't tell that to them because they've been told something completely else. They'll go accuse you of hate speech, but you know better now. Embrology in the Quran, even before Western medicine. There were no borders in the medieval world. You could just ride your horse, donkey, camel, and go from one end to the other end. So people traveled from one end to the other without nothing to stop them. They traded, they shared knowledge, and would enroll in educational in universities in neighboring lands and partake in civil society as they pleased. So knowledge was shared with ease. It's not like today where you have to go to immigration or police controls. So the Indian subcontinent was a massive hub for trade, science, medicine, knowledge, and money. The medical knowledge of the Indian subcontinent was second to none. People came from far and wide to heal, learn from their texts and traders, who passed by, took our knowledge, and went back to their tribes to use and share. Among the vast quantities of knowledge was Saimatam. Uh, there's nothing that the people of the Arabs invented, unfortunately. Um, something many of us today take for granted. Islam nor Christianity will never talk about uh, it as, as the people responsible for this invention, for inventions were not ideological slaves but were free. So embryology, you will find temples in, um, you will find temples in India which with, uh, with the fetus engraved in the stone, okay? Uh, you will see it on my Facebook page. I have added it to my Facebook page. And you will see these temples. They are very, very clearly. They have the embryo uh, in, engraved in stone. You can also find it on, uh, in, on Facebook on, on an account called um, India Besides the Taj Mahal. Um, and absolutely. Uh, so embryology was not something that was invented by Islam, unfortunately. Uh, it was known way, way before. Um, what I did want to bring you up also, that embryology, if you go to the Upanishads, um, you have in the, uh, in just a list of Upanishads, and you will see that there is a whole Upanishad uh, based on um, I don't remember the name. I will let you know about the name a little later. Uh, but there was an entire Upanishad um, based on embryology and birth. So, yes, my friend, uh, Upanishads had embryology way, way, way before, um, way before um, Islam had it. And people could go learn from it. And that's why we had so many universities in India. A lot of people came to these universities from all over the world and took it back to their own country. And uh, that's how you got embryologies. Um, so Islam did not invent this at all, even by mistake. Unfortunately, uh, 
you cannot tell them that because you will be a hate preacher. Um, but, um, you know, as long as you know, you're okay. Um, so, we'll go to another concept. So, these are all the uh, knowledge that Islam says, um, Islam says it invented. Okay? What it didn't invent anything. Okay. However, there is something that Arabs or Muslims invented that we use today and it's very important to talk about, but Islam can't take credit for it, so it doesn't talk about it. Apple Incorporated. If you're using an Apple computer right now, it was started by one of the founders of this movement was Steve Jobs. I think we all know who Steve Jobs, he needs no in, uh, introduction. Steve Jobs, for most people who don't know, is was an orphan. He was adopted. His father was a Syrian Muslim, his mother was a Swiss, Swiss Christian. Um, for those who are not aware, Apple Incorporated is the ninth largest company in the world as of 2017. Apple is also currently the most profitable publicly traded company in the world. Ten companies by brand value, according to Interbrand Annual Survey, puts Apple um, at number one. Apple Incorporated was founded by Steve Jobs in the basement with his pal Steve Wozniak in 1976. They could go their they would go their separate ways, and Jobs would sell their shares in companies. In 1997, this new venture next uh, next uh, merged with Apple and Jobs and would become the CEO of his old company, Apple, within a few months. He passed away in 2011. Without Steve Jobs and his perseverance, there would be no Apple Incorporated. And the world would never have be the same. Now, for those who are still wondering why Steve Jobs is in this chapter at all, it's because our hero, Steve, like I said, was an orphan who was given up for adoption at his birth. His father's birth father was Abdul Fattah Jandili, a Syrian Muslim from Holmes, and Joanne Skibel, an American-Swiss-German descent from Wisconsin. Although Steve Jobs grew up in America and was not a Muslim, he still had Arabic roots. His heritage was his heritage in the currents that formed his waves. Now let me ask the readers one question. If Steve Jobs was living in the Arab world following Islam, would we have Apple computers today? Uh, no, even if he was Christian, even if he was a Christian living in the Middle East, still no. Maybe if he was a modern Israeli, he would have had a shot, but definitely nothing else. Why? Because he would not be an in an ideological prison with no way out of the box. However, once, sorry, he would be in an ideological prison. However, once out of the box, uh, Arabs, like everyone else, are able to be the best in the universe. Take an Arab in the West and he can achieve anything he wants. The sky is no limit for him. So why not in Arabia? Let me make a long story short. As long as Arabs live in that ideological prison, they are now, whatever the label they stick to, he or she will never get anywhere in life. I am not talking about, and I'm not talking about the land. The problem is that they are relics of colonial empires, that is slaves. They need to be free, and if they are to make Arabia great again. René Angeline, if you have not heard that name before, he was the manager and former husband, and husband of Céline Dion, the greatest music manager that ever was. Without him, there would never have been a Céline Dion. 
For those who do not know, René Angelil is of Syrian Lebanese descent. His father was born in Damascus, Syria, and his mother was born in Montreal to Lebanese parents. He was the artist behind the artist Selim. His gutsy Arabian currents are what made him those take those chances in life. His um, on on the offense and his offensive daredevil devil talent is what took Selim to the heights of the world. Her legacy is intertwined with his. While the world knows her, not much is known about him. More importantly, the Arab world will never tell his story. Why? He was not an ideological slave of the empire. He did not submit in slavery. He was free. A freedom provided by a Western country who the Middle Easterners are brainwashed to hate. If Angeline was back in his native Arabia of his parents, one could sh be sure he would have never heard of him. We have a lot to thank him for and a lot to learn from his journey. So if Arabia wants to join the rest of the world like her pre-Abrahamic ancestors, her people need to stop submitting to these colonial ideologies and learn from her ancient sons and daughters. They have gone on to become our planet's greatest performers, among the many who I have not mentioned here. Even those who are not born and brought up in the Middle East, but one who used the memory of her free-flowing cousins from the magnificent desert sands that ran in their rains. They have made some of the greatest contributions to the waves and ripple effects of our universe. I watched a debate once where one Arab man was debating how they could make Arabia great again. I stopped the video and made myself a cup of tea and said to the video screen, Arabia has always been great. It is her slave descendants choose to forget so on that note my friends uh, I'm going to take your leave for today I hope I've given you a, um, a little insight into this uh, chapter uh, so we have Islam we have the geography of Islam uh, we have the geology of, of this land Arabia we have talked about Muhammad we have talked about certain concepts in between and we have talked about a little bit of a history how she invented all these lands we will culminate this chapter over here, but in the next chapters, we will talk about two important empires. One is the Ottoman Empire, and we'll talk about Saudi Arabia, okay? Because it's, it's a beautiful land, I have to say. You may not or not like the people who are there, but it's a beautiful land. It's important to learn about the land and how it came to be, uh, the history of Saudi Arabia. Um, and yes, so, this again I say this chapter is about knowledge to give you knowledge to make you heal to give you confidence and to not let you submit so I know India is going to a difficult time to all my Indian friends stay safe uh, don't lose hope uh, knowledge is here we're just currents and waves and some and, and you will go down and you will come up and you will go down and come up you're cyclic life is not flat so don't uh, don't get scared and stay safe more importantly, heal from the inside. Have that conversation. Share this with your friends. Have that conversation with at least five friends. Ask them to share the conversation with five friends, and we will all heal together. So thank you so much for your time. You have yourself a great day.